to Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. Ah, good evening. All right, all right. Yes. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another show of Wake the Bear Radio. And hey, we've got a lot of things happening this week, or had happened this week, this weekend. Uh, so we got a we got a show that's going to be packed tonight. It's going to yeah. have a lot of information, a lot of good stuff, uh, a lot of interesting stuff, and some not so fun stuff to cover. But it's important. Yeah. They're world events. We're, at, we, we're we're in the midst of a lot of crazy stuff happening. I mean, buckle your seatbelts and uh, put up your tray tables because we're. I would say this next uh, 12 months is going to be pretty rocky ride, but we, we recognize one thing that, that God is in control, that, that he's still sovereign. We were talking about this when we prayed before the show, he's, you know, even though the enemy is going to try to do everything he can to get his purposes done. um, The Bible says that God laughs at the enemy. He, he laughs at the the scoffers and those who are, are mounting their attack against his anointed so we just rec- recognize right now, even as we go into the news, um, that there some of it may be uh, challenging, but our God is bigger than all of it. So that's so good. And we, we did talk to you know he has the whole world in his hands, and he is not unaware of every innocent one, everyone who's mm-hmm. lost their lives, everyone who's gone through torture, everyone who's been tormented. He is not unaware of the evil that's going on around us. And so he sees that the sparrow fall, his ability to have compassion is beyond anything we can understand. And somehow he takes in as only God can uh, the horror and the, the evil ability to see, and he has an answer to all of it. So we do want to, just acknowledge that in the hard things, we've been warned of the great shaking, and I believe we are in it. We're experiencing the beginnings yep. of it. And he said, if we do what he says to do, that we'll be secure in him. Yep. Amen. The shaking Amen. causes us to cling to him, and that's what we need, is that the those who are his truly clinging to him and crying out for his deliverance. Um, you know, and you also, you're talking about the nature and character of God. I think God, you know, He's, he's got things under control and there's a part of him. He, he also has a good sense of humor. So I, I think we should watch. I heard the Olympics are coming up, something like that, Ron. Is it a new, yeah, new yeah. Olympics? But before I do that, I noticed your background is a little different there, Chris. Instead of a wall, we've got open doors or doors. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's the year of the door, the Hebrew 5784. I am ready to go through the threshold. I'm on the road again. Uh, this time I just left Tucson and I'm in uh, Oklahoma City right now. And I'm going to be going to a, a Heartland Apostolic Prayer Network conference. And I'm excited because we do major land assignments that uh, that actually go and confront the works of darkness and take wow. down thrones of the enemies. So I'm excited about a week of conferencing with other like-minded folk. Oh, what is awesome. what is a land assignment? To, to tell us a, just a briefly about that. I would love to hear that. Well, we know that iniquity, you know, if you think we were made out of dirt, <laughs> we're dirt. And so the land, when, when Adam sinned, his sin didn't just affect him. He was made out of dirt. His sin actually put a curse on the land. And there are things the iniquity or the sins of people go into the land and the land is crying out. And so uh, we want to be able to release the curses on the land and the generational iniquity curses that have, uh, that are over regions. If you go into certain areas, uh, you can tell what principalities have rulership over certain areas. And so we, we find out and go into different areas and we discover where their altars are and we use the blood of Jesus. We do some identificational repentance and we break the altars and we revoke the permissions in the lands where, where we're praying. And by doing that, uh, we take away uh, the power source of the enemy and we allow, we then uh, call in the, the blessings of the land that God intended so that 
the land can be relieved of its curse. Wow. Oh, sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. Yeah, sounds like, I, if I remember right, that people doing what you're doing, they do a little research of the land, like history, and they find that certain things were done a lot. Um, yep. And, and it affects the future. You know, it could be a generational thing or just the uh, the curses that came with that type of sin and depravity. Yeah, it remi reminds me of like uh, Cain when Cain killed Abel and it says the blood of your brother cries out to me from the ground, you know, the, from the earth. There's like, I think that yeah, there's, 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 there's just these crimes that have been committed against the, the Lord and against his anointed and, you know, just sins uh, that have actually brought curses. So the breaking those off and, I like I love how she said identification or repentance. That actually means that you even if you didn't do the sin yourself, because you're a human in that region, you identify um that you yourself have sinned, maybe not that particular one, and then you ask for repentance on behalf of those who have um who have who have sinned. And you know, we see this example, uh, I think it was with um Job. Um it, it, he would sacrifice unto the Lord. Maybe one of my sons or daughters has committed a sin. You know, we, you know, and this is an old, that's an old Testament practice, of course, but the concept of like Lord, standing in the gap for others and asking God for his forgiveness is really important. Yeah. Be lost. yeah. She froze. So she's, she is remote. So she may not have her ideal setup. Um, maybe that's a good time just to throw on uh, a little, let's, you know, we're going to be talking about some heavy things. Um, like we do a lot. Uh, so maybe we ought to start on a light note. And you had mentioned the Olympics that I had. The Olympics. Seen. Yes. So here we go. I'm going to show this here. The pro presidential Olympics. I've never heard of that. Good morning. Oh, yeah. And thank you for joining us for day one of the presidential Olympics. And it's a, a lovely day here in Delaware. And the day one event, as always, is the Air Force One stairway event. <laughs> Straightforward. <laughs> In its share of adventures. The stairway so, event. I love it. Just going over some last minute pointers here with his uh, personal trainer and coach. And it's a confident salute and steady approach. Just using the standard grip and pull technique that was popularized by Woodrow Wilson in the early 1700s. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Will that. he attempt the turn and wave? He does. He doesn't disappoint. And it's, uh, it's a smooth delivery. And next up, Joseph Robinette Biden, of course, representing the United States of Ukraine. Also receiving some last-minute <laughs> pointers from his Ukraine. coach. And it's a confident salute with a light jog attempt, still with a grip and pull, but it seems to be doing the uh, trick. Oh, and I, no, I was about to say it seems to be doing the trick. It's gone. He's gone twice, and he's gone a third time. That We've never seen that before. Just reaching out to the other handrail and realizing his arms aren't long enough. Doing a little jog move at the end there. Will he go for the turn and wave? No, he's saluting. That, that's a that's a solid salute to finish. I'm losing his balance there a little bit. Just so for, for those that as he are only listening to audio, this is uh, and Donald Trump's second Trump attempt. People are saying Biden it's already over. To uh, Trump just One. needs to have a solid ascent, and uh, it's probably beyond run. Biden's reach. And Trump just going for the left-handed ascent there, showing off he's uh, ambidextrous. First attempt, of course, was a right-handed ascent, uh, going for the left-handed. Same grip and pull technique and a steady pace. <laughs> Not even bothering to turn and wave. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to risk it. Doesn't need the points. <laughs> and I think he knows it's it's already in the bag. And with that, <laughs> Joe Biden's second attempt. Some people saying he'd need to do a full sprint with somersault to get the points back. I think he knows it's beyond <laughs> him now. He's he's taking it very steadily. He's, he was grip and pulling, but he's just let go of the. Handrail, is he trying to claw some put? No, he's gone again. And this <laughs> has been a disaster for Joe Biden. What a sad sight it is to see. Turns, not even the oh, he's going for the wave, not the salute, but that's that is tragic. And you can see here the moment where he actually lets go of the handrail. Um, maybe he was trying to finish in style. We're already hearing from his team that they're complaining about the low light. Maybe that played a part. We, we just don't know, but it's we can all agree it's, it's been a terrible, terrible day for Team Biden. Yes, yes, a terrible oh day, one of many things. A little comic that relief. And that so, was good. I don't know if Chris got to see it. Welcome I got back, Chris. to see it. I must be like, Oklahoma's like a third world nation. I lost all internet. Oh, oh well, yes. Glad I thought maybe it was 
beginning of the 10 days of darkness or something. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a couple hours ahead of us. So maybe ours comes in a couple hours, but hopefully I'll be asleep by then. Uh, I guess well, I won't. <laughs> well, all right. So, um, Let's let's pop into something something that's also could be kind of humorous before we get into some of the heavier topics. You know, we're we're in the battle right now for speaker. Um, the interim speaker Patrick McHenry uh, gave another recess to the. Uh, apparently, it's a really tough job being in charge of uh, of the United States is uh, you know House and Senate. So there the Congress has taken another recess. Um, but but you know there's a battle going on right now. Um, they, you know, we had Scalise there for for a while. Looked like he was going to be in, and then he's out. And now we're looking for Jordan. And I, you know, I just got to tell you, you know, um, when uh, when Cheney says she's not absolutely cannot have Jordan in, I, I think I love Jordan even better. You know, yeah. There's all, yeah, all the people that hate him. All the people that hate him. Yeah, it's like i'm rooting for him rooting for jordan he's a solid guy he he really seems to um walk the talk you know he's a tough talker but he's also a tough walker uh president trump uh recommends him and he's uh, if you remember back he was one of the few um senators that actually um said hey we should take a 10 days of pause and examine these votes since there's some discrepancy there that's the right thing to do and they just rushed it right through on January 6th and didn't even listen to what he had to say. So I think that he's a good guy, and I think that's why the rhinos hate him, and I think that's why the, the Uniparty hates him. They don't want him in, so it'll be interesting to see if he gets in. Yeah, yeah. definitely someone to be keeping in prayer. Uh, you know, uh, no no person is a savior, but God uses uh, people, sometimes as yeah. chess pawns and and uh, as a tool in his hand. And And from what I saw with Jordan, I was really impressed – you know, cognitively, he he is sharp. He is just like he has the stuff at the tip of his tongue. When he starts investigating things and going down a rabbit hole, he's not just wandering for words. He really is articulate and he is versed, well versed in what he's talking about. I've seen it time and time again in the court uh, in the courtroom or actually in, in the the place where their chambers. But uh, very impressive. So somebody like that to drive Congress to go in a certain direction and look into things. And you see that with the, the committee he's on right now that he would sadly have to leave if he becomes a speaker, but I'm sure they'll backfill with somebody like-minded, uh, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, he was designated on Friday and, uh, so we had the, the three days off tomorrow, uh, there will go to a vote and we know that, um, he is, I believe he's, he needs nine, nine votes to shift to get the speaker um, position, which is a lot less than he, even four hours ago, he got uh, three extra um, endorsements. He got uh, Vern Buchanan, Rob Whitman, and Drew Ferguson were kind of on the, the, the no list, and they all had uh, discussions with him and they decided that they would endorse him. And we know Jordan supports, he's strong with national defense and that he supports our troops and that he, he does want to close border and he wants to, to see the government funded on a budget. So he's very much um, having the government work in a way that is, uh, is that he we are expected to work to meet their their budgetary allowance. And so even though it looks very divided right now, uh, remember how many votes it took to get McCarthy. I think it was 17. 15, um, yeah. Uh, was it 15? Yeah. It was yeah, and there's actually a Q post on that 15. <laughs> That's right. So 15. So tomorrow we're going to see if the – the nine that need to shift can shift. And a couple of them are from Florida, a couple from Oklahoma. Um, but I think it says something about who might have some rhino blood in them. Because, I mean, why would you not want to support someone as um, as strong and resolved as Jim Jordan? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. There's Well, and I think that it also says something that there's so many um, – so many establishment Republicans that are against him, uh, one or against Gates and the whole Freedom Caucus. Um, 
I, I don't know if you heard that last clip by Paul Ryan, but I want to play it here. Um, he he uh, explains that, you know, that he thinks it's a disgrace what's going on. And so I want to play that. The government shutdown. So I think it's disgraceful what these people did. Um, but we have to move on. We have to elect a new speaker. We got to show that we can walk and chew gum as a country at the same time, govern um, and give our allies what they need in this very, very pressing. It's important just for the world to show that our democracy is working, that it's thriving. I think what Matt Gates and these seven nihilists did was a total disgrace. Four percent of the conference overturned the will of 96 percent of the conference to fire a speaker for what? Doing his job. Um, if Matt Gates had his way, we would be not only in a defunctional Congress right now, but we'd be in a government shutdown. So I think it's disgraceful what these people did. Um, but we had to move on. We had to elect a new speaker. We got to show that we can walk and chew gum as a country. Yeah. So I, I yeah. think that. Uh, I, I, he's who cares what Paul Ryan has to say. This guy's definitely the, the, the cream of the crop of established uniparty. Um, but you know, and of course calling, I really do believe that the freedom caucus holding the feet to the fire, telling McCarthy, listen, we'll let you have the position, but you need to do these seven things. And he has nine months and didn't even start one of the seven things at all. Um, yeah, I know. You know, if you look at what he said, he said, oh, you know, he's getting fired for doing his job. No, he wasn't doing his job. That's the very thing. And it was in writing. It wasn't like he said, she said sort of thing. So he was not doing his job, you know. And so I, I don't know if Paul Ryan is absolutely blind or just very forgetful. But, um, you know, I, I just and, and the other thing he said is, you know, if it were up to Gates, we would be not funding the government. Well, maybe that is important to not fund the government if you're just throwing money out the window setting it on fire and just throwing it everywhere i mean maybe you need a little accountability so you know and i know that even uh president trump had said it you know let us default let us do it we need to reset this this whole system it's just so out of whack and so that yeah, might so not be a bad thing is is the caucus this america first caucus i mean basically matt gates stands for single item bill uh term limits maybe that's where ryan has some problems yeah politicians yeah. that can't buy stock while they're in office so they're not getting a little incentivized by uh, the lobbyists also politicians who can't go into the lobbying field after they leave office so they they're incentivized during their time in the uh in office and then a balanced budget so I mean, what really is so terrible about all those things, unless unless you just like it the way it it is, because you're getting something that you may not, you shouldn't be getting. Yeah, you know what? Interesting, Chris. You know, when when someone says, "Hey, I want to go serve my country," and they go sign up to be in one of our selective services, the Air Force, the Marines, yeah, uh, they they say, "Listen, I'm going to leave my family. I'm going to go train. I'm going to go serve." I'm going to give up all of these things to go serve my country, right? And then I'm going to go where they tell me to go. I'm going to wear the uniform they tell me to wear. You know, those are people that are really serving the country. These people say, oh, I'm going to go serve, but I'm going to go serve myself billions of dollars. And I'm going to, I'm going to take money. I'm going to take public monies and, and apportion them to private areas, right? That's their whole job. And then, of course, all of that moving around. And then, you know, it's like, my daughter was writing an essay and she says she didn't think that the house or the Congress should be, should be, you know, paid at all. They should go in, they should be successful in private business or, or military. They come in and serve their country for four to eight years. And then they go back to private industry and they don't have any connection back going back to, to servicing themselves. And, you know, and I think you're right. I think not have being able to, uh, to do you know, in insider trading, any of these things that these guys are known for doing, um, it needs to, we need a complete change back to the heart of George Washington, who went back to making whiskey after he was done being president. So, you know, as you say that about serving, serving oneself, it reminds me of the, a new ad that Donald Trump had put out and Tucker Carlson actually narrates it. If you want, I can just, let me just yeah, show play that. Yeah. Millions of Americans sincerely love Donald Trump. They love him in spite of everything they've heard. They love him often in spite of himself. They love Donald Trump because no one else loves them. The country they built, the country their ancestors fought for over hundreds of years, 
has left them to die in their unfashionable little towns, mocked and despised by the sneering halfwits with finance degrees, but no actual skills, who seem to run everything all of a sudden. Whatever Donald Trump's faults, he is better than the rest of the people in charge. At least he doesn't hate them for their weakness. Donald Trump, in other words, is and has always been a living indictment of the people who run this country. That was true four years ago when Trump came out of nowhere to win the presidency. And it's every bit as true right now. Trump rose because they failed. It's as simple as that. If the people in charge had done a halfway decent job with the country they inherited, if they cared about anything other than themselves, even for just a moment, Donald Trump would still be hosting Celebrity Apprentice. But they didn't. Instead, they were incompetent and narcissistic and cruel and relentlessly dishonest. They wrecked what they didn't build. They lied about it. They hurt anyone who told the truth about what they were doing. That's true. We watched. America is still a great country, the best in the world, but our ruling class is disgusting. A vote for Trump is a vote against them. That's what's going on in this country. Yeah. That's hard, yeah. To, hard to argue with right there. So much yeah, truth. Absolutely. I, I wonder if we could, I just feel really strong. I want to just pray for him right now. Mm. Um, so if you'll let me just lift up a prayer, because yeah. I just feel like my spirit is calling out. Um, and this is this isn't uh, a judgment uh, against someone who might not vote for him. It's just a desire to see this leader protected. So, Father, in the name mm -hmm. of Jesus, we ask that you cover Donald John Trump mm -hmm. with your wings. We ask that you give him discernment. And that you don't just protect him, but you give him incredible wisdom from above. Mm -hmm. That you give yeah. him understanding, that you give his body endurance, that you give his mind fortitude, yes. and that you give him resolve, that you release your spirit on him, and that you allow him to be um, an incredible leader. And we just ask for his your blessings on him at this time. And that most of all, I'm, I'm sensing, just protect him, protect yeah, him, one. protect him from danger and from the evil mm -hmm. one in Jesus mighty name. Amen. We agree. Amen. 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 It's really good, Chris. Well, you know, one of the things that Donald Trump was known for is he didn't lead us into any new wars and people asked him, well, what would, what would be your goal, to, you know, with Ukraine? And he said, uh, to stop the killing, yeah. <laughs> we just want to stop people from dying like why aren't we negotiating peace he says and i've if i was in, in in if i was the president this war wouldn't happen and i would have negotiated peace in the very beginning and it's very clear that people in in, in charge don't didn't want to try to negotiate peace and they just let you know put four hundred thousand ukrainians through the meat grinder killed them basically you know and uh it's pretty horrible and so now um it turns out that the Congress is no longer funding Ukraine. They, the, enough of the conservatives have decided they don't want to fund Ukraine anymore. And they're hearing, hearing the will of the people. Why are we pouring billions and billions of dollars into this war that, over there that's not actually has no actual outcome, stated outcome? It just we're just going to keep pouring in. And now it's like uh, they've they've taken one war, and now they got another one. Um, and so I, you know, I think uh, we're now we're, we're looking and, and, and this is not to say that what Hamas has done is, 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 you know, it's obviously ridiculously evil. Hamas is ridiculously evil, but the question, but there's a lot of unanswered questions going on. Oh, I like that. When you first laundry, when you first laundry mat was a resound, resounding success. So you decide to open up a second one. Oh man. It's kind of what you're saying. I just want to throw yeah. that up there. Another yeah, opportunity. So that our, our listeners can can imagine it. Oh yeah. Uh, so so basically, there's a, a meme uh, where there's two flags. There's a Ukrainian flag and there's a washing machine underneath, and it's filled with dollar bills. And then right to the right of it is uh, is an Israeli flag in the same machine, full of money, right next to it. So it's money laundering. Yes, M another yeah. money laundering. I guess you'd have to see it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, here's yeah. here's a good clip from Roseanne Barr explaining her her, her perspective on this. I'd love to hear, say this one for a sec. Share this one yeah, for a second she's, here. She's Jewish, isn't she? 
Yes. Yeah, I've been watching her more and more lately. Something she says in this interview, I wasn't going to use the clip, and I thought this was brilliant. What she actually says here. Either way, somebody has to be held accountable because we have to figure I, out what the hell's going on. I think I think we have to go. Who's who's who benefits the most? So you think about it. Who do you think? Well, we're done. We're done in Congress with uh, talking about Joe Biden and the Ukraine, right? I think yeah. that's all been exposed, but they were just starting to go with what did Joe Biden do in China? What did not just Joe Biden, but all the crime families in D.C., uh, you know, all the all the political prostitutes that say they're representatives and senators. Well, what deals did they make with China? Mm. And um, perhaps what happened there was part of the plan of the owners of the world uh, to distract from that. I think the people that ultimately uh, gain the most from it are uh, the people who are China and uh, the people in D.C. who are fighting and have been fighting since Trump was elected to keep their crimes out of the news, to keep the American people unaware and uneducated and ill-informed of the criminal enterprises they've run against the people and the people's money. So, you know, they've taken public money and put it into private pockets. That's what Congress is and nothing more. So uh, those are the two main beneficiaries I see of this. And also, it seems as if Iran is as, who backed this, who backed Hamas. They have, it was a suicide mission, ultimately, because it's not going to stand. Israel's going to go in there house to house. So they knew, they said, I feel like Iran sacrificed Hamas. So a lot of folks have a lot of opinions on. Oh, interesting that she, you know, she's yeah. actually on um, PBD, which is a uh, uh, guy that was uh, the, the guy who's, he was born in Iran and I think he's Jewish as well. And she's, and she's Jewish background. So they're talking about this. It's a pretty great um, interview. What an interesting um, thought though, that, you know, Iran just is playing Hamas and their emotional state because the timing just seems like um, it just seems interesting. I'll put it that way in that mm -hmm. uh, it's keeping people from looking at our borders, which is a huge problem. It's keeping people from really paying attention to the speaker of the house thing. We kind of are noticing it, but, but Israel, whenever Israel's in a situation, our emotions are, are being tugged upon. And when there's something as graphic as was put out on social media with the pictures that we saw um, over and over of various things, and there were uh, numbers, I mean, hundreds of different pictures. So that, that got a visceral response from people. And it kind of reminds me a lot of 9-11 in that for many days, Americans were glued to the TV, just trying to figure out and make sense of this. And it's the same. We're trying to make sense. It's like we're asking, how did the IDP not know? And what 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 happened? Why would they do that? Like like uh, Roseanne said, it looked like a suicide mission. And although many got back with hostages, I I mean, they were out there for a long time and there were a lot of torture um, scenes that were going on in the various kibbutzes. They showed uh, there were two villages that lost over 250 people. And the the evidence, the, the photographic evidence showed that more than 80% were tortured. Now, if you take the time not just to kill people, but to stop and terror, I mean, it's true terror and to torture them, there. The agenda is not just to go and kill. There's right. something else going on. I mean, it's pure, pure evil, like you said, demonically charged. It's a spiritual right. battle. It's like an occult altar there. But there's, I do feel like they might have been um, kind of sacrificed on behalf of Iran mm -hmm. unknowingly. Yeah. You know, President Trump uh, had some really interesting comments on that, um, talking about even being judged by God. Um, let me just oh, share yeah. that real quick. It's it's very interesting. Great clip. With this violence, there can be no tolerating it, no accepting it, no excusing it, and no ignoring it. Every time a terrorist murders an innocent person and falsely invokes the name of God, it should be an insult to every person of faith. 
Terrorists do not worship God. They worship death. If we do not act against this organized terror, then we know what will happen and what will be the end result. Terrorism's devastation of life will continue to spread. Peaceful societies will become engulfed by violence and the futures of many generations will be sadly squandered. If we do not stand in uniform condemnation of this killing, then not only will we be judged by our people, not only will we be judged by history, but we will be judged by God. Amen. Amen. Um, wow. That's right. Powerful. You know, I think one of the things we want to consider during this time, and um, it's important for the American people, is separating the issues of Palestine mm -hmm. from the from what has taken place from a terrorist organization called Hamas and now Hezbollah, and with the backing of Iran. Those are global. Um, terrorists and to mm -hmm. what we see with the division that's going on is Hamas is actually leveraging this division so that they're kind of going in fully into the Palestinian camp like this is all about the Palestinians this is not all about the Palestinians mm -hmm. uh, that they're um, this faction that went out it's not uh, we need to uh, take action against all of Palestine, because we know there's the West Bank. We know that there are obviously many peaceful people in Gaza. And the truth is uh, what the IDP, what, uh, Israel's uh, intelligence got some information uh, that the, um, ha the Hamas was keeping many of the refugees from going south on the there's one there's one road right. going south to where they can get to the help of the camps the the civilians and those that are just families that have been in gaza because gaza they're over a million people in that area mm -hmm. that they had they were being asked to evacuate but many of them if they're going they're being prevented by hamas they're, they're having their car keys taken they're having their way blocked. They're being uh, told that if they pass a certain place, they will be shot at by Hamas, so their own people, if they try to get help. So there's terror going on inside of Gaza um, by uh, Hamas, and there 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 was uh, there was audio um, evidence of this. So it was. I don't believe that's just propaganda. I know we have to be careful about what we believe, but. Uh, we already know that the um, Hamas, they raided the UN um, refugee supply lines of food, of water, and of fuel. And so there's just a lot of very deep evil that when you, what Trump was talking about was, was this uh, religious zeal that was an offense to any true religion because it was dark and it was demonic. It was evil. And uh, that's what we see, I think, precipitating in the um, northern Gaza right now. Yeah, there's yeah. uh go on. I was going to just say that, you know, there's a lot of propaganda on both sides. Um, you know, the, the, the reality is that, um, you know, the, 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 it, the reality here is that there are good people on both sides. There, there, there are peace-loving Palestinians that just that are being harassed and, like you said, and, and even terrorized by Hamas themselves. You know, the, the, some people say, "Well, they voted for Hamas. We gave them a chance to vote democratically and voted for Hamas." Yeah. Well, we also voted for President Trump, and uh, look who got into office, right? So it doesn't mean that. Uh, just because a lot of some of those people voted for Hamas or Hamas that they those people really wanted to, or that they were even you know good elections you know that are even clearly good elections. So there's there's a lot to be careful about. You know, obviously, I, I personally believe that Israel has the right to do what they need to do to defend their people, and if they, they declare war on Hamas, then then that's what they need to do. And there's there's people that are going to die in war. That you know, people innocent people die in war. And that's not good. 
Um, but it's almost like, you know, my, my wife had cancer and they had, had to go in and take out a cancer out of her body. And they had to take out some of the good cells around the outside to get the cancerous cells. And, and I'm not saying that we, anybody should ever be taken out. Um, but, you know, Israel says, hey, listen, we're going to blow this building up because it's a Hamas stronghold. Everybody leave the building. And then Hamas tells everybody to stay in the building. Because they want to be able to show off people dying at the hands of Israel. So. There's definitely a huge difference here. And to, to try to create a moral equivalent, there is no moral equivalent between you know, the Hamas, the terrorist organization, and, and uh, you know, Israel's right to defend its, its sovereignty. And, and then the Palestinians who are just caught in the middle. I mean, if, if, if these other Arab nations really love the Palestinians, they would take them in, but they won't. And you know, there's challenges there, too, because obviously those, there are some people that are uh, terrorists coming from those, that, that, that area. But... It just seems like, you know, there's got to be some, an answer to, to this that does not include killing a bunch of people. You know, I had seen uh, something on uh, PragerU. I think you one of you had sent me that uh, last week, and it was basically an Arab that is part of the EDF, IDF. And, um, yeah. and he, he shares things that actually broke a lot of stereotypes in my mind. Uh, let me mm -hmm. just share that real quick. It's a real quick clip. That's life in Israel. That's life as an Israeli soldier. And that's what I am. I am also an Arab. Sometimes people say to me, Yusuf, how could you fight for the IDF? I say it's simple. It's not the Jewish Defense Forces. It's the Israeli Defense Forces. And I am an Israeli. Are you surprised? If so, I don't blame you. You probably get your news about Israel from, well, the media. They amplify extremists and sell conflicts because conflict sells. Conciliation doesn't. Stereotypes make for simple stories. Do simple. So let's examine some. Let's take the simplest, that there are Israelis and that there are Palestinians, and that each side defines itself against the other. Turns out the fundamental division is false. According to a poll in 2020, only 7% of Arabs living in Israel self-identify as Palestinian. By contrast, 74% consider themselves either Israeli Arab or just plain Israeli. This is typical. So much of what you've heard about Israel is distorted. The story doesn't match the facts. So here are a few. In America, given their numbers, Jews are disproportionately represented in the medical professions. No surprise. But did you know this? In Israel, Arabs are disproportionately represented in the medical professions. Arabs comprise 20% of Israel's population, but 30% of its physicians and 35% of its pharmacists. You've probably heard the stereotype that Jews are bankers. This suggests that they control things behind the scenes. So you may be surprised to learn that the head of the biggest bank in Israel is an Arab. Worse than the stereotypes are the lies. The worst lie is this. Israel is an apartheid state. In an apartheid state, some can vote and some cannot. But in Israel, Arabs don't just vote. They sometimes call the shots. In 2021, as an article in El Monitor put it, for the first time in Israel's 73-year history, Arab parliament members will likely have the final say on whatever a government is formed and even who will head such a government. In an apartheid state, some get an education and some don't. But in Israel, Arab enrollment in higher education is exploding, more than doubling between 2008 and 2018. And Israeli Arab Christians actually outpace Israeli Jews in higher education degrees relative to population. You probably don't know these facts because the media prefers to demonize Israel rather than report about it fairly. That may never change. But whether or not they report it, Israel is experiencing an important generational shift. Our parents' and grandparents' generations witnessed major wars. In 1948, 1967, and 1973, my generation and the generation after me haven't seen such conflicts. But we have all grown up under the shadow of terrorist violence, from suicide bombers to Hamas rocket attacks. And terrorists don't discriminate between Jews and Arabs. Mm -hmm. When you come face to face with this reality, when you have face to face conversations, you realize that everyone within the borders of Israel confronts the same threats. 
And then you can begin to understand that the real story isn't two groups, Jews and Arabs, locked in an eternal conflict, but two parts of a nation coming together in a process I call Israelization. A silent but ever-growing majority of citizens simply want to live in peace with their neighbors, the ones across the street and the ones on the other side of national borders. Like I said, extremist voices get amplified. The media likes it that way. It generates clicks, sells papers, and boosts TV ratings. Unfortunately, stories of good people living and working side by side without strife don't do any of those things. But that doesn't make those stories less true, or those people any less real. The real peace process happens one person at a time. With each passing year, I see that process expanding. It won't be smooth, because nothing in this part of the world goes smoothly. But no one is going to stop it. Yeah. Wow. So I, it, very interesting. I, I, I was blown away by some of the things. But, you know, PragerU, I've seen some of their other uh, videos. They, they seem to do the research, too, so they can back up what they say. Um, you know, so, but that was news to me. You know, only 7% of Arabs, you know. Identifies Palestinians. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what, what we do know as facts is that October 7th, uh, you know, last last week, wow, it was the single deadliest day in Israeli history, and that includes the Six-Day War and wow. the other Israeli conflicts. So uh, the, the number that they have gotten to now is 1,500 um, Israelis that were, well, I shouldn't say Israelis, People that were killed by Hamas in the right. the um, in the Gaza area, um, Americans that, too, and Germans, right? And of those, at least thirty were Americans, and mm -hmm. uh, they took at least one hundred ninety nine. They verified hostages and maybe more. So those things are the facts. I know one of the things that wasn't a fact was representative. Um, Ilan Omar, she, I don't know if you saw, she retweeted a false photo of Palestinian children killed by the IDF uh, a couple days ago. And it actually wow. was an old picture of um, a 2013 serene gas attack in Syria. And she had a caption on it that said 614 Palestinian children were murdered by the IDF. So that was not a fact. But that sort of thing coming from a representative of Congress has a lot of effect emotionally. She represents a very high, obviously she was uh, elected because there's a large Muslim contingent in um, that she represents. And she fired off um, a lie that got a lot of people very, very upset. We saw protests in New York. Uh, when I was in Tucson a few days ago, there was a big protest down there for, for Palestinians. And I know they're all over the uh, United States right now. There's this division and much of it is um, based on inflammatory statements, many of which have been amplified by either doctored photos or um, not really getting the full storyline. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. seeing that in the universities as well. Like Harvard, it was really under fire. There was a lot of big corporations concerned about hiring from graduates of Harvard. And they were, they were saying, you know, did you sign this pledge? And now all of a sudden they're getting a little nervous because our education system has been infiltrated by just that woke agenda. And one of the things is anything that is Christian or supported by Christians, they generally go on the opposite direction. And so, uh, you know, if, if uh, Christians support Israel uh, for better or for worse, you know, the Palestinians are the good guys in their, their mind. And, and so that gets taught by classes, by the pulpits behind education and academia. And what, what yeah. was the pledge that they... They allegedly uh, pledge to support um, uh, Palestinians. Uh, a lot of these these uh, rallies and these protests, people were signing saying, "Hey, I I support," you know. And um, I guess there was an official piece of paper that people were, mm -hmm. were signing up, and so they wanted to see if they were on that list because 
a lot of these companies don't want that type. You know, it's really scary is, you know, you people like Hamas that go over the border, whether it by be boat or, or car or paraglide. Um, but here you, they come right under the border. You know, the border is wide open in the U S and I mean, mm -hmm. the numbers are just staggering. I, I think you were mentioning some of those numbers or even earlier, um, Chris, and uh, your experience at the airport. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh yeah. Yes. I, um, I, was in Tucson early this morning airport and I was there. I thought there'd be nobody there because I got there at to 4.30 in the morning to catch a flight. And I remembered reading um, that there had been a, uh, from Carrie Lake in her tweet, she, she was on X, I guess it is, that in the last 28 days, 49,000 almost 50,000 illegal immigrants were caught breaking through just the Tucson border sector. And so that that's a huge population. She was saying it because there's a county down there called Santa Cruz County, just like I'm from, we're from Santa Cruz County, California, but there's a Santa Cruz County, Arizona, and that's more than the entire population of that county. That isn't since the beginning of the year. That's in the last 28 days. And I remember reading that while I was in Tucson and I was noticing things as I went around town. But when I went to the airport, I was stunned because the airport was crowded at 430. And it was largely um, people who looked uh, like uh, they weren't Americans. And the reason I identified them as that is they either had a different color passport they were holding or they didn't have any identification as they're going through this was through security and they just had a piece of white paper and i it struck me that all these people that i was watching in certain lines uh that didn't uh weren't speaking english and that's not necessarily means they're not citizens but they looked like they were foreigners had these white papers and it made me very uncomfortable. And they were going through in large numbers um, through security through one area. And uh, I was uh, I was really quite um, both startled and disturbed by this. And I was thinking this because there's only one major airport in Tucson. It's not a very big airport. I think there are only maybe 15 gates total. Uh, but this this was early, early in the morning. I don't know what it was like in the afternoon. But after I had read that, there was also just last week, there were over 13,000 apprehensions uh, in the Tucson sector. The week before that, 13,000. And so you see that um, there's this large, and this is. I think we lost her again. You know, I, I was going to post this. There's a place called the Darien Gap. Um, this guy, Michael Yawn, has been down there and he's been talking about it for a while now. Um, this is what he's posted. You got to, if you know, if you, if you don't know anything about Michael Yawn, you should check him out. He's been going down and, and documenting the, the advancement of, of illegals across. And he says, the aliens used to stay in camps sometimes for several days, even weeks. Now they usually just stay for several hours and maybe overnight. And by 2025, I would not be surprised to see a million per month coming through the Darien Gap. There's there is only a few tweaks needed to make to be made to allow for that capacity. And those are two bridges, one of which is the U.S. Army could construct in one or two days. That means all you need to increase the flow from approximately 300,000 per month to a million per month, explains Michael Yon. And there's a video here clip here and it's on X. and You can watch it. But this guy's been going down here, Michael Yon. And video documenting all of the people coming through. And he's like, look at this. And he's like, where are you from? China, 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 Syria, oh, yeah. Syria, Syria. And they're oh, actually yeah. saying where they're from. And he's like welcoming them because he wants to talk to them or at least say hi. But the, the government's just letting them right through the, the porous gap. It's as if it were planned. You know, yeah. I, it seems like. It seems like the world leaders and the elites, they like to have something queued up and they can do it at any time, you know, and, and we're seeing that with the border right now, right? They're queuing it up. They're filling the country full of potential terrorists 
And at any time, all you have to do is do a George Floyd or some sort of thing like that. And boom, you just inflame it. And, you know, with your media, you can put a spin or or just expose it, knowing that it's going to trigger a lot of people. And uh, even this this war here uh, can trigger a lot. I mean, we saw protests and stuff. You know, for those that are not sure exactly what happened, there's a good quick little, I mean, real quick video on just kind of why Israel was attacked. Let me just share that. Uh, yeah. I couldn't find the original. I looked everywhere for it, but uh, yeah. let's just go with uh, this is off of Anway now. Most people have heard about the invasion of Hamas into Israeli land, but not many know how the tensions between these two groups got so bad. Jews and the Arabs have been fighting for the Holy Land for hundreds of years, and it all dates back to near the beginning of Judaism, when Moses and Joshua led their followers from Egypt, crossed the Jordan River, and settled in this land in 1000 BCE, where the Kingdom of David was formed. Jews had occupied this land for a little over a thousand years, until Islam was formed in the year 610, and the Arabs took over most of the region by 636. Not one group has ever had full total control over the Holy Land, where Jews, Christians, and Muslims all lived in this region, but the Arabs did control most of the land throughout the Ottoman Empire. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, a new Zionist movement was growing in popularity, where Jews were looking to re-establish an independent Jewish state, ideally in Palestine. As World War I ended and the Ottoman Empire collapsed, Britain was in control of the land and signed the Balfour Declaration declaring the land as belonging to the Jews. In the years following, there were many anti-Jewish riots led by the Arabs in this region who didn't want to see the land given back to the Jews, so England started walking back on their promise of establishing Israel as a Jewish independent state and created new borders for both Arabs and Jews to live in this region. It eventually got to the point where England was limiting the number of Jews that could immigrate into Israel who were all fleeing Europe during the lead-up to World War II. After World War II in 1947, Israel and Palestine agreed on giving the West Bank to Palestine, but Palestinians still felt more land was theirs. In 1967, the Six-Day War broke out between Israel and the neighboring Arab countries, which resulted in a victory for Israel, who now had total control over the land. Palestinians still lived in the West Bank and Gaza Strip, but now Israel had military control over these regions in an attempt to maintain peace. This gave rise to the PLO, which is the Palestinian Liberation Organization, whose mission was to end Israeli military occupation in the Gaza Strip and West Bank, and also the more extreme group known as the Hamas, which has been labeled as a terrorist organization by virtually everyone other than the United Nations, whose main goal is to fully wipe out Israel and all the Jews. That brings us to today, where the Hamas in the Gaza Strip just entered Israel in the Karem Shalom crossing, breaching the border fence and attacking the military base there. Hamas then passed through the Arez crossing and into Israeli towns with not much resistance. Hamas says these attacks are only the beginning of a long war. There we go. Wow. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I want to give a slight disclaimer. I, I mean, you know, Moses and, and all that stuff. There wasn't a bunch of Jews that went over. It was Israel that went over. Jews are basically descendants of Judah. And Judah. so so the identification's way off on that. Uh, it wasn't the Jews. It was the Israelites. And Jews are something that as the kingdom got split tribes. later. Just The 12 just tribes went. Yeah, and then, of course, yeah, the, the northern tribes. All the northern tribes were wiped out by Assyria. All that was left was uh, Judah and Benjamin, and so that's why they they lasted longer. Were considered the Jews. They went into exile under Babylon, then they returned, and so you know, and then yeah. that you know, so there's a there's forty two thousand returned, not too many, very not small. Many. That land was still filled with bunch, but that's a whole other story. But anyway, it kind of gives us a background, a backdrop of, of what has happened, and uh, I just wanted to share that because I thought that was a, a pretty good good thing. You know, we talked a lot about propaganda and we also have a lot of questions we mentioned it last week you know how did they get uh how did israel get infiltrated the way they did in, in this uh attack i mean how yeah. you know you had the iron dome uh you know I, i'm hearing people are saying hey i've been to the gaza strip you can't go two blocks without running into a you know a young person that's a part of the idf holding a you know an automatic weapon and so how how did this happen? Why did it take hours and hours before even IDF came along to to you know to iron things out and counter uh, what Hamas was doing, taking ho hostages and and killing people? So a lot of questions, and I think 
you and I both have ran across something uh, about uh, even Netanyahu. You know, um, I, I have a little, a little one. Let me share that real quick. I guess it's just a clip of him. You know, and he talks about the support. You know, an unwavering support it, um, the U.S. has for Israel. And I'm not saying it's it's wrong to support Israel at all, but I think the way, especially evangelical Christian theology, is they've place Israel on such a high, high, uh, pedestal that, uh, they, they fund the whole state. I mean, if, if they didn't have us dollars, you know, for the last 50 years, 60 years, you know, they would have just collapsed and, and we keep pouring money in and money and money and, uh, and, and listen to what, what is said about that happening. Uh, let me just call that up real quick. I, I just found it very interesting. Uh, here we go. Oh, you know what? I'll have to read it. I'll have to read it. So Arabs are currently focused in on our war of terror. It says, then they think it will uh, break us. The main uh, thing, first of all, is not just a blow, but blows uh, so painful that the price will be too heavy to be borne. As the price is not too heavy to be borne now, the board, broad attack on the Palestinian Authority. I'm just translating it here. Bring them to a point of being afraid. At what moment? But then the world will say, how come you're um, conquering again? And his response is, the world won't say a thing. The world will say we're defending. Aren't you afraid of the world, Bibi? Especially today with America, I know what America is. He says America is something that can easily be moved, moved to the the right direction. They say they're for us. They're like they won't get in our way. Uh, it's going too quick here. They won't get in our way. On the other hand, if we do some uh, something, then they. And then it stops and he says, so let's say that they're saying something. So they said it. 80% of Americans support us. It's absurd. That thing. We have that kind of support and we can say what we, uh, what will we do? With the look. That administration, the Clinton one, is extremely pro-Palestinian. I wasn't afraid to maneuver there. You know, I find it interesting how he's saying the Clinton, you know, was very Palestinian. Again, anything that's uh, it goes against Christianity, you know, Christians on the on the whole support Israel wholeheartedly. I, what so, he's basically saying is is that American Christians are, are so supportive of us that we can do whatever we want. Yeah, he's saying, I'm not afraid to clash with the Clintons. I was not afraid to clash with the United Nations. Anyway, he goes on. But uh, so basically, he feels like he's got us kind of in his pocket, you know, and, and it's a lot of it is just this, this allegiance, you know, they could do no wrong. And, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of questions and, and they need to be questioned. Why mm -hmm. was that domed down? Why did you allow that attack to happen? Where were all the IDFs, you know? out there to defend uh, they, these are very important questions i think because you could start a war it, and it, there was uh here let me put this one on real quick uh this one here zoom in this was this was in WikiLeaks. so julian assage um had found this and it said that uh it's very small yadlin said israel would be happy if hamas took over to the gaza because the idf could then deal with Gaza as a hostile state. And then he dismissed the significance of the Iranian role in the Hamas-controlled uh, Gaza as long as they don't have a port. And so what he was saying is, you know, we can really do what we want, um, you know, if if Gaza or the Hamas take over Gaza. And that's kind of what he's, you know, and this was, I think, back in 2007. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was that, and this was by the Israeli uh, defense intelligence chief amos yadlin and so um i just find that interesting that that was said so long ago 
you know, 15 yeah. plus years ago. I was going to share this one too. This guy says things to remember. One, the Palestinian people are good people and they deserve to live in peace. Two, the Israeli people are good people and they deserve to live in peace. Three, the people who fall for the COVID pandemic are the same people who fell for the Ukrainian war and the same people who fall for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Stop falling into the matrix of the trap that divides you. And, uh, and, I, and I, you know, I yeah. always say that carefully because obviously if you've had people that you know and you love who were killed by Hamas, you're going to be enraged and you're going to like say, BB, go, go destroy that whole area. Like, because, because of the pain that you suffered. So I don't want to be insensitive to how people may feel because, you know, Israel does have a right to defend themselves and they do have a right to, um, to, to, to wage a war on Hamas. And, you know, but we're just hoping that there's a way, you know, there's a way to do it without killing too many Palestinians who are innocent in the middle of it. And of course, if, if they tell, Hey, get out of there, we're going to blow up this building. And then Hamas makes them stay in the building. You can see who the evil person really is here. I mean, the Israeli forces say, Hey, we're going to, we're coming in. You got time to leave. We're coming in, you know, and Hamas is trying to keep them all there. So. Well, there's also a better way to do it. Welcome back, Chris. I know that you've probably had some uh, connection issues being out and out in Oklahoma um, <laughs> City. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think one of the ways is how Donald Trump did it, right? He didn't have any wars with them. He met with yep. them. He, you know, he took the initiative, met with them in person. Um, and then he did sanctions. He was a businessman. The art of the deal is like, we're not going to support you. We're not going to throw money your way. He canceled the Iran uh, deal, you know, where... Obama, the Iran uh, nuclear deal said, you're not going to have any nuclear weapons. You know, we don't want he wants to stop the killing. And so he did it through strength. He didn't do it through like, hey, we're just going to blow blow you to kingdom come. It's like we're going to we're going to cut off money. We're going to address this. I think that was really uh, smart of him. Where and, and what has Biden done on the, the opposite? Right. I mean, he just just gave uh, what was it six billion was it six billion billion dollars to billion. the yeah that's the, a lot of thunder of hamas yep and, and they said well, well they not, said one uh, it's not their of, money it's like oh, it was money that was frozen that he unfroze it doesn't matter it's six billion dollars and they're saying oh we're going to use it for humanitarian aid well and then they turned around and said we'll use it for whatever the heck we want to use it for that's so, right and that's that's exactly how a budget is if someone tries to say oh well it's budgeted for this, but you, you, once you give the money to the people, you have no control over stopping it being used for whatever they want to use it for. So I, it probably emboldened Hamas to say, Oh man, we've got, we got Iran. That's going to give us billions of dollars. They just got $6 billion from America. The, the problem is, is that we're funding both sides of these guys. We're funding the Israelis. We're funding Ir Ir Iran. Who's then funding Hamas and who's then also funding Syria. Um, and, and you know, who's funding Iran the CCP. So you have all of these global partners create, you know, pouring fuel on this fire rather than negotiating peace that, and, and each has its way they're using the poor Palestinian people to control them, to manipulate them as a pawn and rather than actually care about them, protect them and provide for them. Well, and we're not just funding them because uh, about six hours ago, the U.S. Department of Defense uh, reportedly placed 2,000 U.S. troops in a prepared to deploy status for what they said was possible non-combat operations in Israel. So some sort of adjunct and uh, that was the Wall Street Journal. But then about two hours ago, there was a report that U.S. Marines, um, as part of a rapid response force, are actually headed right now off the waters of the coast of Israel and that they're going to be um, used as a, so they're terming these defense official um, capacity, but it's a rapid response force. So it, it's not just money that uh, and uh, you know missiles to reinforce the Iron Dome and um, the support that we're giving them right now is um, they're calling them non-combat operations or defense uh, personnel uh, so that they're showing they're not going to be the ones that are going into Gaza and doing the extractions of possible 
hostages or finding the terrorists. But um, Mike Pence did suggest that we should send our special forces as part of an uh, to to supplement the IDF as though the IDF need any help. They're about the best is the best. But uh, I think that would be very, very dangerous. And it would be also a, a very precarious place because um, there probably have lots of booby traps in that that uh, northern Gaza area that could kill uh, American soldiers as well as obviously that's why they're they're doing the the bombing strike is to collapse those those places where the weapons are kept and the um, the the underground tunnels are are maintained as both escape routes and uh, um, just personnel where they keep their personnel and get in and out of the the uh, area. So lots of prayers needed for this time in Israel and for uh, this time with the the what's going on in the Gaza Strip area. Yeah, I think we're we're at a place there now where a lot of the people in the middle, a lot of the normies, are starting to say, hmm, "Can we have that Trump guy back?" You know, he yeah. he he was negotiating peace around the world, the Abraham Accords. You know, he was defunding the, you know, like you said, he was defunding Iran. He was meeting with leaders. He, I, didn't he meet with that Kim Jong-il guy? Whatever happened to that guy? That, that, that all burned out, right? Like, yeah. I, I just think that we are we are seeing a white hat, hat operation to let the deep state show how evil it is so that people will realize that, yes, in fact, that the election was stolen and there was there is a co collusion that's happened between dark forces of a deep state to bring about uh, their or their plans and their plans are wicked evil and uh yeah i'm just people I'm, are waking I'm, up people are waking up you're right and they, you know, so much so that they that now they've got a jack smith's got to put a gag, partial gag order on donald jump john trump yeah. because he doesn't want him talking anymore because the more that guy talks the you know and the more we attack him the better his polls go up you know yeah, so. total banana republic with that one. You know, uh, I, I saw a video just just today about some billionaires in the San Francisco area, which is pretty close to our area, Santa Cruz County. And they they uh, they said, hey, I voted for Clinton or Hillary. I voted for Biden. But you know what? Looking back, you know, actually looking at Trump, I just fell for the wrong thing because I'm looking at his policies and he just starts going down the list. And, and this was, uh, you know. These are major billionaires, uh, CEOs of companies and stuff like that. And they were just saying, you know, I think I, I was off and um, I, I miss Trump, you know, and it was really interesting to hear. It was very interesting. So wow. the, wa very the walk good. away movement, the Brandon yeah, Strike yeah. walk away movement has reached the, the, the billionaire CEOs. Yeah, it's just the Bay Area. Any closing thoughts as we uh, it looks like our time is about out. Yeah, I think, you know, we really just need to recognize God is in control, um, that we not jump to conclusion too quickly, not jump to wrath, um, not let our emotions run us, be, be cool-headed, we have the mind of Christ, have the Spirit of God, and ask for wisdom. And that's what Wake the Bear is about, is, 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 is questioning the narrative, not just believing what we're told to believe. And so we want to encourage you to do that. Think biblically and Christianly, think wisely, rationally. Don't jump on the next train This the has next been war too quickly. Wake the Bear Radio on God KSCO. Bless you. 1080 good. AM. Good night. Good night. Rock.